and we're plugged in with Maura Collins. I'm excited to introduce everyone to Michelle Simons, who's our first Zoom guest on the show. Hi, Michelle. Awesome. This is, uh, you never thought you'd ever be on a podcast with me, huh? Not in a million dreams. (laughs) And 13 long years of many nights. So, little backstory for everyone. Michelle and I have known each other since 2007, and uh, she's in Massachusetts right now, coming from Lynn, Mass., right? And uh, Michelle was my case manager when I got clean in treatment. Um, my first time ever being in a treatment facility and I was pregnant with my son Michael and she was the one that really helped me in early recovery I really looked up to her and uh, so it was a no-brainer that you made my list of guests Um, Michelle not just in the fellowship but in her professional career has so many accolades um i've lost count of how many actual titles and crit- and licenses you hold because there's a bunch of them yeah i'm still myself right so probably the same person that you knew back in 2007 although my memory is probably not as great um but yeah i have a few different jobs now and um Throughout my own recovery, I earned a master's degree in a LADAC, which is like a licensed drug and alcohol counselor in the state of Mass, and a KDAC. So, but yeah, I'm still having the same conversations I was having with people back uh, early on before all the letters. And we look the same. We haven't aged. Exactly. Exactly. So, Michelle. It's been a while since we've sat down and talked, and um, I must say you were the first person that ever inspired me to want to stay plugged in to my recovery, but you were also the first person when I left treatment that helped me cope with losing my first friend um, due to an overdose. Are you still helping a lot of people in that area? It's funny because my, you know, the last few positions I have now, since August, where I stopped doing one-on-one counseling, so now I'm more supervising folks that are working with um, people that are struggling. So of course I'm available, and um, but as far as working one-on-one counseling and that type of thing, I've kind of moved away from that a bit over the years. Um, it can be pretty heavy. <laughs> For sure. I was, you know, I was in the trenches, I think, with um, early recovery folks and um, one-on-one counseling and case management and that kind of stuff up until really August of 2020. Um, pandemic hit, uh, everything went remote and basically, you know, our out, I was working in an outpatient counseling center then, same um, same program that we were just talking about that you went through, the, although it had, it's since morphed and uh, merged with another program. But yeah, everything kind of started to dwindle down and um, I got more hours at the uh, local community college where I work at now. So I was able to kind of drop that because after a while, yeah, I think sometimes 
That's awesome. So you spoke about the pandemic. Now, how did things change within your career when we all had to stay home? And also, if you could just describe, do you feel as if people are isolating more and the relapse rate is increasing percentage wise as far as overdose deaths and more people having relapses and having depression because of the pandemic and so much self-isolation? <laughs> two months later, I'm like, oh, I guess this is what we're going to be doing. Um, and I 
and I was also teaching a credit course at the time too so we finished up the last six weeks or whatever it was with that and that was sad because there were people in really early recovery that just dropped off I have no idea where they went um, they had to zoom from home and people were zooming in their backyards or in tents and you know we're talking about a community college where you know people are not so affluent and not like don't have the ability to um, have a quiet place to um, sit and do their class on Zoom. So yeah, we definitely saw a lot of people struggling. I saw people like nodding off on my screen and I'm like, Jesus, you know, like I knew, you know, it was definitely, it hit hard for them. For the folks that I know in longer term recovery, let's say, you know, three, five years plus, um, we were all pretty equipped for this. You know, um, <laughs> my friend Richard Zombach, I did a podcast with him a couple of years back and we were talking and he's like, I've been, I've been equipped for this my whole life. I, you know, I'm always paranoid of things I can't see and I'm always, you know, this and that. And he's like, now, he said something like, and I cracked up, I'm like, yeah, the, it's like now just a level playing field for the rest of us. Right. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I dig working from home like all the admin stuff and all that kind of stuff where you know i had to sit in an office just to like you know be there and blah 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 you know now i can do that from home that's great i miss the recovery coach classing classes in person because those are a blast uh teaching that is absolutely so like it's such a rich fun experience that um it can it can still be okay on zoom but it's not obviously not quite the same when you're with groups of people you're getting to know people you're having coffee with them you know everybody builds a whole new network in like this you know four day five day course and yeah so that piece is interesting but um overdose rates relapse rates in Lynn are still pretty steady and um I think the folks that got in early you know that gone into recovery right around the pandemic probably get hit the hardest and struggle the most we're in different states from one another, so I feel like Florida may be a little bit ahead, which we op- we didn't stay closed very long, and I was part of a board of directors at a clubhouse where I was an advocate. I think I felt a lot like you taught me. We keep the doors open. Not everyone can afford a smartphone with Zoom, and people are homeless, and they need, they need effing meetings, and um, they need that, and that was part of you and me, right? So you were part of my foundation. So how are the meetings up there going to be reopening, like the clubhouses and whatnot, and meeting how, meeting places and churches and whatnot? Are they th- as the vaccination rates get better? Yeah, I think throughout um, there's been you know a handful of in person meetings, some underground, some um, you know pretty open. Of course, like the weather, once it got really cold, there probably wasn't many options. I know one place they created a tent in somebody's backyard. So little things like that, you know, um, my friend up in the Boston area, they had a little meeting in somebody's backyard that they would light a fire and, you know, whatever they had to do. But yeah, so this, um, there's some that have kept on, you know, really small and kind of word of mouth type of things. Otherwise, yeah, everything's pretty much still remote. Massachusetts, obviously, is pretty conservative compared to Florida. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, yeah, they're in Florida. They do everything. Masks, <laughs> and, you know, we're here, like, masks. 
blast at home. <laughs> yeah. But um, of course, the cold weather too. It was just easier to stay in anyway. Who cares? You don't want to go on that. So right. Well, the counties down here do require masks inside, but we had the benefit of the warmer weather, so we could have underground. We yeah. actually, um, I was part of a group underground recovery group that actually became an actual meeting and uh it was at first i felt like i was breaking the law by going to this underground meeting you weren't supposed to be oh you were in public i'm like yeah and uh, i masked up and you know i'm high risk and i never got it thank god and i got my vaccination and so i'm flying back up to massachusetts it's been a while since i've been home so Sometimes you just say like, okay, I don't want to wake up today and be in recovery and help everyone. And I just want to be home with my awesome birds or maybe go for a run because I know you're an amazing runner and that's cool as far as, I don't know if you're still running marathons or whatever. Um, Is there ever a day where you just don't want to do it anymore? No, never. I love my life, honestly. Um, I don't, like I told you, you know, like I said, you know, working with folks, I, you know, when it got and felt too overwhelming and too much, um, I don't do it, you know, and I'm, I, I'm really good at setting boundaries for whatever reason. I don't have a problem with it. I don't feel guilty like, oh, I have to, you know, do this. I have. And now, you know, my position is much different where I'm helping people sign up for classes and I'm sort of helping people navigate going back to school for the first time. And, um, and I'm on like the 911 hotline for like the recovery coaches that I work with so they can call me up and be like can I just vent for a minute and they're like people in recovery so it's a different level of it's not so heavy it's secondary in a sense you know um, so I've my load is lightened and mm-hmm. but to be honest with you even I'd say probably the you know the most um stress I had working in treatment was probably when I was working as um, the recovery or sober home manager for the place, you know, that anonymous place that we're talking about. I don't even know if we can say the name or whatever. It's, well, Project Hope doesn't exist anymore. So we right. Can say yeah, so they had a, um, they had a huge uh, sober living program with um, individual units, family units. So I was the manager there and that was a lot because on the weekend, if somebody relapsed, I would get a call if, um, you know, and I wanted that because I wanted to keep the house safe. So I was, I, I didn't realize how much stress was on me until after I left that position. However, I still loved it. I mean, I, I enjoyed the women there um, I had an office right in the building where everybody lived and so people could drop in and we also have house meetings and that kind of stuff and case management. But the really rough part is, you know, when you're dealing with families and watching DCF come into the picture and all the frustrations and, you know, devastation that happens with that when, you know, mothers, you know, just struggle or relapse and then you watch this whole family fall apart that was just put back together and sort of placed in this place and then really did what weren't necessarily equipped to handle it. So when that position ended, which I moved on to, I think I went to work in the young adult diversion program from that. Um, I realized I was like, wow, I just felt like the weight of the world was lifted up. <laughs> so I didn't realize how heavy it was till after. But 
I never once like said, "Oh, I don't want to do this today" or something like that. I don't. I'm typically a pretty um, motivated person. But, like I like life. I'm like one of those people that probably just makes everybody sick sometimes because I'm like, life's cool. Like let's have fun and enjoy it. And I. I recall myself being like that even in treatment myself once I started getting that little spark of hope left back I mean I didn't come into treatment feeling that way I came into treatment suicidal um but that's because I had spent the last 10 years of my life like doing horrible things to myself you know so why wouldn't you feel that way um but I do recall like part way through my the halfway house project hope where I also went to um where I got and stayed clean was like I had a good time there right I remember one of the counselors saying in a group like uh they're like if you like it here there's something wrong with you and I was like well there's something wrong with me because I think this is a lot better than the street was and trying to figure out where I'm going to make a few dollars to come up with my next bag and um you know I was thrilled to be there and I was and I really like I enjoyed having 24 sisters which made it fun to work there too because I still felt like I had 20-something sisters in a house where we just all ate together, cried together, laughed together, graduated together, watched people run out the back door together. (laughs) (laughs) Everything, you know, it's like this beautiful chaos, right? Right. Yeah. No, I can can say I enjoy all this. I still think about it. The 24 of us sitting in a living room and um, Chris telling us, there's 24 of you, but, you know, only three of you are going to make it. And I was like, what is she talking about? Like, and then there was this picture on the wall that talked about um, recovery. And it was like all these circles. And one of the circles said relapse. And I was like, why are why is relapse up there and she was trying to tell me that mora relapse is part of recovery and i was like oh no like i'm pregnant i i don't ever want to relapse and um when i did relapse michelle you were one of the people i didn't want to tell because i thought i'd work so hard and i wanted to try social drinking that i know you wouldn't judge me but um i looked up to you so when i came back it was that you know the jarring experience I needed, and I and I plugged myself back in. So that's part of the podcast, plugging myself back in. And I've noticed, I've watched you become very different over the past couple of years. And you were traveling and meeting different people, and like I was like, what is going on with her? Is she doing some sort of meditation? What is this like, Michelle 5.0? person so what happened what happened yeah how did this happen this is awesome tell me about it yeah so one thing i want to say though because it's so funny when i teach the recovery coach classes and i always ask them i'm like so guys is relapse a part of recovery and everybody's like i'm like trick questions so everybody's like you know afraid to answer you know wrong or they all want to answer the right way and so some people are like well yeah well no and there's this amazing William White article that is uh, highlights relapse is not a part of recovery. It's a part of the addiction process. And I love that because recovery means growth, you know, sort of recovering, restoring what's lost, um, just getting better, feeling better, life's better. And so relapse is a real negative, like, wait a minute, so there's no permanent recovery. If it, 
So I really like to emphasize, and thank you for giving a platform. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Someday I'll be on your level, but I doubt it. But go ahead. <laughs> no, but I really like the idea that I have a platform now to say, like, no, relapse is not a part of recovery. Like, you wouldn't say, like, if somebody was in recovery from cancer and, you know, they were in remission, you wouldn't say, well, relapse is a part of it, so get ready. Like, you wouldn't do that, right? So right. it's the same thing with the recovery process. So I think it's a really dangerous little thing. I know where it came from. I believe it came from the, like, to reduce shame. So somebody coming back um, will say, well, you know, it's a part of the process. And, like, so people wouldn't be ashamed to come back to meetings or to come back to their network. Right. Um, but I think it's dangerous to say it's a part of recovery because then it sort of, like, minimizes the concept of, like, permanent recovery which I fully believe is possible I have no question in my mind and I don't think we need to fear that either you know um yeah so I'll I'll stop there no that's good because I felt a lot of shame uh I lost a lot of friends in Massachusetts because they you know oh god forbid more did go out um but i lived and came back and i was scared that i was going to get back into drugs and i was so scared that i just went i said okay well i don't want to go to treatment again we did that right i don't want to lose my son or my place to live i just got to go back to a meeting and keep it real back to the basics back to what you taught me in treatment and then on now i've been doing kind of what you just talked about and um, helping people with relapse prevention. So what you said right now was kind of, uh, it wasn't a test, but I wanted to see how you would handle it because you're, you always would um, come up to me and say, Maura, that's a bad idea. And I was like, really? And you were like, no, it's not good. Spiritual principles, more, you know, live by them. And uh, so I need to work on meditation. So I wanna know exactly what you do to, <laughs> we have a little bit more time. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure. Cause I, so I had, an, I had a crisis at like, <laughs> at let's say I was coming up on 15 years, I think. So about six years back. Um, I'm terrible with math. So if you figure it out, you got it wrong. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, no, I was coming up on, I think, 15 years. And I was like, you know, I had some physical, like, stomach issues and um, just not feeling good all the time. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And um, the stomach issues started giving me anxiety. And it was all sort of compounding. So I was like, you know, here I am, 40, you know, in my 40s. I feel like I should be as confident and, like, ready, you know, just so different than I started to feel. I'm like, where is this anxiety coming from? Where is, you know, I look at a little bank in downtown Salem and um, a woman who turned out to be my, like, BFF, this woman, Karishma, a few years younger than me, was teaching it. And um, I just started to feel that connection, you know, to my spirit, to who I am, and to God. And I had a physical, like, experience. Like, I could feel, like, the manifestation of that by, like, feeling this cool breeze all around me, which is what happens um, with this particular type of meditation. Um, So you literally, like, know, like, oh, my God, it's working. You feel something. Um, And you start to understand the knowledge of the roots. Like, 
the knowledge of what's going on inside of me. So we here in America, like we know the knowledge of, we have the knowledge of the outside. We know all the outside and we get inside a little bit, but it's a little mental. Like even with the step work and all that stuff, it's a little mental and there's still stuff inside that doesn't necessarily clear or get worked out. And through this practice called Sahaja Yoga, which is solely a meditation, it's not a yoga, you know, it's not what we think of as like a physical yoga. Um, you learn how to clear your subtle system. You learn, you know, we have um, ways to indicate like stuff that's going on within us without even, um, you know, before you get sick, before something, you know, bad happens. Like, oh, I've been working out running marathons and eating kale shakes all my life and all of a sudden I have cancer, what? Right, so it's like we have indicators of like knowing what's going on with our subtle system without, um, you know, having to get to a place like that. Where wow. It's fascinating. So, um, so my friend Karishma moves in, you know, she's from India and her and her, her husband's American and moved back to, in, they moved to, to India or back, she went back um, maybe six or seven, about six, seven months after we met and I was devastated. I was like, my guru. <laughs> <laughs> Your BFF's gone. Yeah. So, of course, I had to go visit her, and that's how I ended up. Oh. Yeah. That is, now that's the hope shot I needed. Uh, every episode, I talk about a hope shot. So the hope shot is that anyone can learn how to, how to take prayer meditation, and you don't have to be a super spiritual person, but like learn a different style or whatever f- works for you helps your mind body spirit everything and therefore your recovery yeah. you are an inspiration to me you know that you were one of the first people to hold my son um out of the hospital you are an amazing woman 20 years is congratulations you are amazing i miss you and i'm so grateful you came on the show today and you're i probably will invite you back because i think we have more to talk about with just the meditation so if you're willing um to come back on the show i'd really love it thank you michelle thanks for having me thanks